You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. And we return here on another Taco Tuesday episode, talking Ravens football with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. And Spencer, the Ravens had a pretty uneventful first week of free agency, making a couple of moves, bringing in a couple guys, bringing back a couple of their own players. But they also saw plenty of players depart in free agency and also just not really keeping up with the rest of the league, it seems like, in terms of just the pure quantity of moves they've made. But how are you doing today? Doing quite well. It has been a stressful but quiet week for the Ravens, aside from the juju trials and tribulations. They ultimately lose Judon, lose Ngakwe. Defense remains the same other than that in terms of personnel. They bring back Wolf and Bowser, so those are guys that are going to stick around. And then on the offensive side of the ball, of course, Kevin Zeitler, who we spoke about, and nothing else. So at this point, the Ravens are down Judon and Ngakwe, and they have added Kevin Zeitler. And that is about it. If the season started today, it feels like they would, you know, be another 10-win team, another, you know, playoff-pushing team. But feels that there are some moves on the way. The Ravens also did end up uh, getting into some funky business, taking having Brandon Williams and Clayus Campbell take pay cuts, which makes you think a move is imminent. But as we stand, it is a curious situation overall. Yeah, definitely. I think the expectations this offseason were, look, the Ravens attacked a a need last offseason in in the 2020 offseason when Derrick Henry runs rampant on this team. The Ravens address the defensive line. They bring in Clays Campbell. They bring in Derrick Wolf. They they draft Justin Matabuike in Broderick Washington. But now the Ravens have holes all across the board and the Ravens bringing in Kevin Zeitler. That, that was a great move. I really liked that one. But now as the free agents come off the board and they have steadily come off the board, the Ravens options now are getting thinner and thinner by the hour. But Spencer, the Ravens reportedly bringing in Sammy Watkins for a visit to Baltimore. And Watkins is someone who could certainly help out in the wide receiver room. My stance on it is he is a piece, not the piece. Watkins throughout his career has over 4,600 receiving yards, 33 total touchdowns. And he's someone who can play both in the slot and on the outside. So Spencer, Sammy Watkins at the time of this recording has not signed with Baltimore. He has not left Baltimore without a deal. What were your initial thoughts when it was reported that the Ravens were going to bring in Watkins for a visit here? Well, it continues to show that the Ravens are interested in upgrading their receiver room after failing to be able to get Juju Smith-Schuster to Baltimore with him returning to Pittsburgh over offers from Philly and Kansas City and Baltimore as well. So Ravens now make a push to sign a player who uh, has worked with Keith Williams, the past game specialist, as his personal receivers coach in the past. Watkins would be, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the highest drafted wide receiver to ever play on a Baltimore Ravens team. If I'm not mistaken, he was the fourth overall pick back in 2014. Um, Watkins, you know, he just has had an odd career overall. And at this point, he had his best in his earliest seasons. He ends up going to Los Angeles or to, I guess it was St. Louis at the time still, if I'm not mistaken, uh, play for the Rams and then bounces to the Chiefs. And uh, he, he produces a couple big games a year. He gets injured at some point pretty much every season, uh, except for his 1,000-yard season, which did ironically come with Greg Roman. So 
Uh, there's a couple ties there in Greg Roman and Keith Williams. And Watkins is a guy that, you know, he's a physical, physical wide receiver at the stem. He's good after the catch. Uh, not, you know, a guy that's consistently beating the world or doing anything of the sort. And is a good move potentially, but the overall it's like if the Ravens do end up bringing in Watkins and he signs, how do they feel about their receiver room at that point? Of course, you would probably rather have him than not have him. But if that's all you're going to do is sign a receiver that's uh, eight years deep in their career and has been, you know, struggling to stay on the field, uh, the Chiefs let him go, you know, after paying him a ton of money where he produced in the playoffs in the, during their Super Bowl season. I believe he had 14 receptions, 288 yards and a touchdown. He toasted Richard Sherman in the Super Bowl a couple times in their comeback. But ultimately – he moves the needle, but he, it's not a Super Bowl move. It's not a move that's going to put the Ravens' offense over top. It's you know a move that I find is probably marginally better than having a Des Bryant on your team, but not outside of that ballpark or that realm of just having a veteran kind of taking a flyer on a cheaper option. And, uh, of course, you do want to have a veteran in the room. And that's why it's difficult if the Ravens don't sign a veteran and you go draft another receiver, as Kevin, you and I were just saying offline, then all of a sudden – Hollywood Brown at 24 years old going into the season is your most experienced oldest receiver, a guy who had some struggles of his own last year and some difficulties. And uh, the Ravens found it necessary to go bring in a Des, uh, Des Bryant. So it, uh, it, I mean, it's just, it's just tough, a tough situation. You're basically waiting for him to get injured. It feels like, and it would be a surprise if he doesn't. Uh, I think the Ravens know that they're not expecting him to be a player who's going to come in and play 16 games plus in the playoffs and not miss any time. He's had, a litany of injuries, groin injuries, hamstring injuries, uh, uh, Liz Franck issue, and which which is apparently on the Ravens' checklist. They bring in Josh Oliver, and they draft Marquise Brown, the first receiver off the board. Now they're interested in Sammy Watkins, and all three of those guys have had screws in their foot. Uh, so that that gets that out of the way. But overall, Sammy Watkins, he, he can't be the only move that they make. You can't rely on him to be uh, the guy. He's not going to leaps and bounds improve your offense but he would be a nice stabilizing force to have in that rotation and at this point they only have four wide receivers who have played any NFL time two of them have played maybe 300 combined snaps in Prochet and Duvernay the Ravens current wide receiver room I believe is 147 career catches somewhere in that department and needs experience you need some guys that understand and have notes and know how to be a professional and, and are a little bit more of a sure thing. And as much as I love Rashad Bateman, he's, he's one of my hashtag my guys in this draft class. It's like as much of, I think he is a sure thing to fill that role. And will he be there is another question or not when they pick at 27, but there's still that risk involved of, is he going to be able to translate to the professional game? There's no matter who it is, no matter what prospect, there's always a question mark of if they'll be able to translate to the pro level and, the Ravens have struggled for the most part to integrate those rookie receivers into offenses effectively. Uh, so it's a rock and a hard place. And at this point, if it were me, if I had to choose between drafting Sam or signing Sammy Watkins and doing nothing else at the receiver room in the first, you know, two, three rounds of the draft or bringing in another veteran or making a trade, I'm going to go with the, the latter. I would prefer for the Ravens to make a different move, go, go chase after a Michael Gallup or an Adam Thielen or, uh, someone of the sort. And it's just frustrating because Marvin Jones and Corey Davis, two guys that signed pretty reasonable deals. Corey Davis could have had a $4 million cap hit this year. The Ravens didn't make a push for those guys. And those guys both check the, the, the need list of what you need. You need someone who can play on the boundary effectively, who can win when they're ISOed up, when teams stack the box. And 
Ravens go with heavier personnel that you can go put on an island that has a nice big catch radius and can win one-on-one and, you know, run and, and make contested catches, those kinds of things. That's what they're missing right now within this offense. And Sammy Watkins can kind of do those things, but the degree to which he is reliable is a question mark. And there's, it, it just kind of gives you more questions than answers by signing him. Yeah, Spencer, I'm right there with you. And for Watkins, a guy who has only played in a 16-game season fully just once, and that was his rookie year in 2014. I mean, with the Ravens, they need answers who can contribute on a weekly basis. And sure, Sammy Watkins could give you some really nice games, but if you're relying on him to play a full 16-game season, as you mentioned, I don't know if that's the best course of action. And then you go into the draft and – Hopefully you would draft someone in the first two rounds at this point, just based off the way free agency is gone. But if it's not Sammy Watkins at this point in free agency, is it Antonio Brown? If it's not Antonio Brown, is it T.Y. Hilton? You know, the pickings again are getting slimmer and slimmer by the hour and the Ravens have to start deciding, is this something that they're going to address in a trade? Is it a thing where they're going to put Sammy Watkins as a one-year stopgap? But when they're competing, when they have a roster that can compete now, why would there be a stopgap? So, yes, it's, it's been a very confusing couple days here for the Ravens' expectations, clearly set very high for this free agency period. And right now, Eric DaCosta and company seemingly put, put all the eggs into the Juju Smith-Schuster basket, and that is a basket that the Ravens ended up losing out on. So Sammy Watkins visiting Baltimore. We'll see where it ends up going. But we're going to head into our first break now. And when we return, we'll be talking about just what Baltimore has and hasn't done during this first week of 2021 free agency. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. There are real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds is the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we return here with our second segment of this Taco Tuesday edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still talking here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, the last time we talked, the Ravens had just agreed to terms with Kevin Zeitler, the guard. And they had also seen Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe leave in free agency. But I don't think we've had the opportunity yet to discuss the additions of both Tyus Bowser and Derek Wolf. And they aren't new signings. They are guys who have been in Baltimore for either a year or a couple of years. But two signings that I think are very important to this Baltimore defense, especially when taking into account the Ravens, have lost a lot of players so far during this free agency cycle. How big was it for the Ravens to get both Bowser and Wolf back under contract and keep them in Baltimore? Wolf was a really pleasant surprise last year. He had a great reputation for being a professional, for being a great teammate, and being a great run stuffer. And he was a clear upgrade to Chris Wormley at that uh, kind of five-tech, three-tech hybrid role within the Ravens defense. And he was great crashing and tying up blockers and, you know, allowing stunts and delayed blitzes to to work. Uh, So kind of being the, the point guard of the defensive line in ways, facilitating some things. And uh, it was really nice to have him back. He's a player that was playing 50-plus snaps in tough situations when COVID came and decimated the Ravens' defensive line, and he had a great performance against the Cowboys and the Titans in the regular season and was very consistent, a great zone uh, run scheme defeater. And him and Justin Matavuike, both of those guys, they, they 
blow up zone concepts extremely well, especially backside pursuit. Wolf has some, a little bit of juice as a pass rusher, uh, more than the Ravens had when, in 2019 when they had Pierce and Williams and uh, Chris Wormley, and then suddenly they have Calais Campbell as well. So Wolf, definitely a great piece to have back. I like having him in a nice rotational role to try and keep him healthy, a guy that had some, I believe, elbow, yeah, elbow issues before coming to Baltimore. So keeping the snaps down and, and keeping guys fresh throughout is always nice, as well as bringing back Tyus Bowser. Bowser is someone that I've always wanted to see more snaps from. He is one of, if not the best, cover edges in the NFL. His ability to move laterally and make plays and uh, dropping to the flats has been something that has been an awesome sight to watch. That's what he was great at at Houston coming out. And what kind of got him drafted was that versatility within the Ravens defense. So we're probably going to be able to see Tyus Bowser get full-time snaps at that Sam position. So we might see his snaps go up from 200 or from 500 ish snaps in 2020 to around seven, 800 and see him get some more pass rushing opportunities and some more coverage responsibility and really be a, a key component in that Ravens defense. And it was always nice knowing that Bowser would be able to, to be the guy if Judon were ever to go down, but Judon was the, definition of dependability and durability throughout his time in Baltimore. So having him back and in that role is something that's exciting. It's something that uh, is, is going to present versatility for this Ravens defense even more so. I think that the coverage upside he presents is much higher than Judon's ability. Judon could kind of just drop back and bluff and move around a bit, but Bowser has real coverage ability. I don't think he's quite as uh, disruptive as a pass rusher. He does have some nice rips and some good speed off the edge and uh, can can make some plays as a pass rusher, and his improvement as a, a edge setter has certainly been a, a key component for this Ravens defense when he was called on to do so. He's progressed in that aspect over the years, but Bowser is someone that I'm absolutely excited to see have an uptick in reps that I think deserves them and was rewarded with another four-year contract, so uh, at least eight years in Baltimore likely for Ty's Bowser. Yeah, absolutely. Two guys who I think after the losses of Judon and Ngakwe and a couple others, getting those two back in Baltimore, very, very big moves and moves that I think could pay off in not only just 2021, but also the future years on their contracts. But Spencer, the Ravens also making a very, very small trade by way of Josh Oliver, the tight end that you briefly mentioned a bit earlier. But now he comes to Baltimore to compete, I'm assuming, along the likes of Eric Tomlinson and Jacob Breland and potentially Eli Wolf as well for the third tight end spot in Baltimore, which was a position that the team sorely missed in 2020 with those three tight end sets pretty much being non-existent in 2020. So Spencer, with the trade for Josh Oliver, it ends up being a conditional seventh round pick going back to Jacksonville. If Oliver doesn't make the roster, the Ravens get their seventh round pick back. What were your initial thoughts about this move? And do you think that this at all impacts the way the Ravens are going to go and take a look at the tight end position, either in free agency or through the draft? I think the Ravens are excited to have another competitor alongside Tomlinson and Breland and Wolf to be in training camp and take reps and see how they can integrate. Oliver presents more athletic upside than any of those guys listed and as a pass catcher, uh, limited experience coming off of an injury. And there's, there's just really no downsides to having Oliver in this Ravens team for a conditional pick. If he makes the team, then that means you're happy with him, you're confident with him, and uh, it's, it's a you know, measly pick anyway. So having him come in is, is another head in that competition. In terms of the draft, I think that it allows the Ravens maybe just a little bit more confidence in the depth of their tight end room to the point where if they're sitting on the, in the third round, second round, and 
Uh, there's guys like Brevin Jordan or Hunter Long uh, still on the board, and the Ravens have uh, an opportunity to go get an edge rusher or a cornerback or safety or something of the sort that they have graded substantially higher than those tight ends, then they're, you know, really afforded the, the luxury of being able to go get the player that they're more confident in to be successful over a four-year four period as opposed to trying to draft for need. And the Ravens desire to draft best pick available and BPA and, and do that is well-documented while they, you know, they do go get Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison to fill out the linebacker room. I think that they do draft for need a little bit more than they put on, but ultimately there's no downside to Oliver. If he makes the opening day roster, then the Ravens are happy to have him. And yeah, so a no, a no risk, no downside trade. Yeah, absolutely. I think the scale of the move was being pretty overblown by some people. Again, I think this was a situation where some people were like, oh my God, this is what we're doing. Like there are all these guys out there that are flying off the board and we're trading for this guy. But I mean, there are so many things that go on behind the scenes there in Baltimore and throughout the entire NFL. The Ravens clearly liked the potential of Josh Oliver, as you mentioned, and it's a low risk, high reward move where if the Ravens don't like what they see out of Oliver, or they'd like someone else better they can release him and get their seventh round pick back anyway. But Spencer, we did talk a bit about the losses that Baltimore has sustained over this free agency period. I've mentioned Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe. Obviously, Mark Ingram goes to the Texans a couple of weeks ago, and the Ravens have lost a couple of others since we last spoke. Jihad Ward was one that I think stung a lot of people, and he had some discrepancies with the coaching staff, it seemed like, with his playing time later in the year. Matt Skura goes to Miami, and the Ravens also losing a couple of other small but somewhat key pieces. So with the losses that the Ravens have sustained so far in free agency, with Judon and Ngakwe included, which ones do you think the Ravens might feel a bit harder than others? I think that losing Matt Judon is definitely tough. Judon is a key component of what the Ravens have been about, and especially defensively and in the locker room over the last couple of years. He has been someone that is nothing short of versatile, that can set the edge, drop back into coverage uh, decently adequately, and, and confuse, defense, confuse offenses, confuse play callers, confuse quarterbacks, and uh, wear a ton of different hats. And he's been extremely durable, 16 games every year through his first four year, five years. And, you know, people, uh, oh, excuse me, he missed time from COVID this past year, but never injured throughout that time. But the epitome of, dur epitome of durability, the epitome of effort, always see him hustling, playing through the whistle, setting the tone, wanting to make hits, wanting to, to be an enforcer and uh, bring some attitude to the Ravens defense that at times has lacked it since losing Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis and uh, those kinds of guys. So Judon had a little bit of old guard in him, I definitely think, and think he will be missed. Uh, having him and Bowser was definitely a luxury, but 80% of the play for 20% of the pay. In this case, I believe it's about 40% of the pay with between Bowser and Judon, but uh, the Ravens love those comp picks, those, you know, potential hopeful, maybe starters for a couple of years. And, and they've been able to grab a couple with Rick Wagner and Kyle Juszczyk and I believe Pernomic feeds and area Smith throughout the years. Uh, they I think they have had, 55 comp picks since the compensatory formula was established and no other team is in the 50s. So Ravens definitely love that comp pick formula and do everything they can to get players outside of it. And that's why I think maybe a player like Carlos Dunlap, who's still available and Ravens are familiar with, and there's been some rumors about what make a ton of sense for them as they do love that comp formula. But Matt Judon is going to be a, a piece that will be missed. He's a disruptive player. He produced a quarterback uh, pressure on 9.8% of his pass rushes over the last three years, I believe, was the third high or a, a hit or a hurry on uh, 
9.8% of his snaps. He was third in the NFL behind, I think, T.J. Watt and Joey Bosa in that statistic, according to Next Gen Stats. So Judon is a disruptive, versatile player that the Ravens were confident in. They valued him enough to franchise tag him, which was mightily expensive, and you know, split the difference between him being an outside linebacker and defensive end. Uh, so I think they, they do miss Judon. I think the strategy might have been you know, make Judon an offer that makes them comfortable and that they find value in still and let him go test the free agent waters, knowing that they can kind of bring back Ty's Bowser and that they'll have maybe a bigger market for Bowser than, than other teams will and know his versatility and he fits their scheme so well. So I uh, felt like maybe let Judon hit the market, see what he gets. And if not uh, bringing him back to Baltimore, then you can just go with Ty's Bowser. And that feels like what might've happened. Well, I could be wrong. Yeah. The Ravens losing three edge guys, you know, cer- certainly is not great, but I think Bowser was a key piece to retain as we talked about. And then also we'll just see what they end up doing, but some of the losses that Baltimore sustained will definitely hurt more than others. But we're going to head into our final break here. And when we return, we're going to be talking about where the Ravens go from here in 2021 free agency. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need into a traditional chain storefront. Winder often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning in wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. They have everything from edge control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar and we return here with our final segment of this taco tuesday edition of locked on ravens kevin allstriker still here with spencer schultz of baltimore beatdown and spencer with the ravens being so quiet in 2021 free agency so far things could change but so far they've been relatively quiet it's a big question to ask here but where do the Ravens go from here? I want to start by asking you about the offense and then we'll get into the defense in a couple minutes. But with this Ravens offense, they do still have a couple of holes. Obviously we, we talked about it a bit and you alluded to a bit of what the issue is and where they should go from here with the wide receiver position. But in your opinion, in general, Spencer, where do you think the Ravens should go from here in 2021 free agency on the offensive side of the football? They need to address, and and I'm just going to lump the draft in as well, but they need to address a swing tackle, especially considering Orlando Brown will not be a member of the Ravens next year. We know that uh, as an as a absolute certainty. He does not want to play right tackle anymore. He, he is going to want to hit the open uh, market and get a deal if the Ravens don't trade him before this season. So it feels like Brown is gone, and they need to find a swing tackle. And even if they don't, they still need to find a swing tackle because when Orlando Brown had to move over to left tackle, they did not have any sort of consistent viable option at right tackle. It was a revolving door, literally, figuratively. They were switching guys out. 
they didn't get high quality play there. They didn't have guys that were able to hold up and pass pro that uh, were presenting any real upside between Phillips and Fluker. So swing tackle is an absolute necessity. They need to add, even if they do add Sammy Watkins or another veteran receiver, they need to add another weapon. They're not deep enough in terms of pass catchers. They are not deep enough. You know, Josh Oliver was a strong move, but uh, in terms of getting another tight end that can catch the ball down the field involved and, and Boyle, you know, does the underneath stuff fine, but having someone who can stretch defenses and force some mismatches in terms of uh, personnel matching from defenses and bring another element is still needed after Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins, you know, even if they do or don't sign him, but Sammy Watkins is not going to be a guy that you can rely on to play 16 games as mentioned. And even if that moves to T Y Hilton, then still not that guy. And then even if that moves Antonio Brown, that's still not that guy. Considering the off-the-field issues he's had, you can never count on any of those three players to be a, a likely 14- to 16-game contributor. So they need to add more pass catchers. And I, I don't know what options are out there in free agency that would really bring much juice outside of those mentioned receivers. Uh, I was thinking of guys like Keelan. I think maybe Chris Con- – I think Chris Conley even signed somewhere at this point. So – uh, him and Keelan Cole, two guys from the Jags that I thought would be nice additions to the Ravens receiver room for super cheap, but even they're off the market. So unless there's some more cuts coming, it doesn't feel like there are many avenues for the Ravens to look in terms of, of adding someone that's likely going to receive playing time. Uh, maybe a, a Mitchell Schwartz could make sense, an Andrew, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, uh, a couple guys there, but there's no real impact player that is going to be brought right now for the Ravens. Uh, Schwartz, a guy that, you know, is coming off of a couple injuries and has played a ton of good football. And, and maybe, you know, you could sign him as a likely swing tackle and in case Orlando Brown, that situation goes sour. But outside of those guys, in terms of free agency, I don't see a ton of possibilities right now for the Ravens. Yeah, again, to me, it seems like the Ravens did put all their eggs in that Juju Smith-Schuster basket, which was someone who I think it was Jeff Zrebeck who reported it, that the Ravens were pretty disappointed they didn't get him. And so it's fine if you have a target or two that you're looking at and you're really invested in and you want to put a lot of eggs in that basket. But as the Ravens, I guess, were scavenging the market for themselves, guys were flying off the board left and right. And now what the Ravens are left with is a very depleted free agent market. So now it's either, all right, you can sign the guys who are left and that's great, but you could also explore a trade in some areas. You, you could lump in the draft, as you mentioned there, Spencer, but the Ravens now have some decisions to make and it's fine if they want to end up relying on the jump of some young guys. That's fine. I'm expecting the jump of some young guys, both on offense and on defense but you have to balance it out with some veterans. The Ravens, especially on offense, are an extremely, extremely young football team. And that can sometimes be hard to maneuver with if you don't have some veterans in there to balance it out. But Spencer, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, we talked about the Ravens retaining both Tyus Bowser and Derek Wolf, but still a couple of holes left. Edge rusher is still a very big priority in my eyes. They could also add a true free safety there as well. And they're obviously Baltimore's probably looking at a couple corners just because, well, the Ravens love their cornerback. So Spencer on the defensive side of the ball, where do you see Baltimore going from here? I think a guy like Carlos Dunlap makes a lot of sense to ensure that you have some depth at that rush position. You don't want a situation where maybe Jalen Ferguson is unable to play or Pernell McPhee is unable able to play. Then you're just basically left with Bowser and one of the other ones. And, and lo and behold, two of those guys could uh, end up unable to play, unavailable. So Aaron Adoye, a guy that got into the lineup last year, uh, we didn't really get to see enough of him to, to 
make any sort of conclusions on him, but the Ravens do like him. They've kept him around for a while and someone that certainly factors into the equation, but Carlos Dunlap can play all along that defensive front. You can play some five tech for you, some three tech, some stand up outside linebacker and uh, as a consistent long pass rusher, who's a good run defender and has had success against the Ravens and uh, had some good success in Seattle last year once he was traded. So a player that uh, would, would fill a, a little bit of a void that they have in terms of depth there. Other than that, there's some, there's some other options of edges that are still unsigned. Melvin Ingram, someone who could play a little bit of Sam, a little bit of rush, move all around, play some off ball stuff, do some things, although he is older and coming off of an injury. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, someone who, you know, kind of got lost in the wash of the, the, the sea of first round picks that Washington had spent on Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen. And uh, they've, they've got so many picks invested there in Payne and then Ionitis as well across that defensive front. So Kerrigan, an older player, but uh, still plays well, still could, you know, kind of reminds me of what he could do. Maybe what Clay, Clay Matthews did on the Rams, finally seeing a change of scenery and having some juice left and going to go prove himself in a different defensive scheme. Uh, so I think those are some viable options. Justin Houston as well. But the thing is, all those guys are veterans. None of them should really be in a rush. And we know that because they didn't, you know, I'm sure they've had some offers, but haven't jumped at anything and they can take their time and go try and play for a winner and a team that they feel like they'll get some good playing time, some good opportunities and decent money and a chance to win. Uh, safety depth wouldn't surprise me as well. I believe Jakiski Tart did just sign with the 49ers, re-signed with the 49ers. Uh, do think that Xavier Woods might still be on the market, someone that I've been keeping tabs on for quite some time. He can play in the slot. He can play some single high. He can play some two high. The Cowboys defense was atrocious last year, but he was one of the, the brighter spots when I was going back and watching them uh, throughout the season. So I think that he's someone who would make sense for the Ravens as well. Yeah, certainly on both sides of the ball. The Ravens do have some addressing to do now, whether that will be in free agency or through trade or through the draft. We'll have to just wait and see because the Ravens seemingly are taking their time. They're looking at the market. They're not throwing money around carelessly, but I do think eventually they're going to sign a couple of guys here and they'll probably be impact players and we'll turn around and talk about, you know, all right, this is a move that we probably could have been, you know, better off seeing a couple days earlier or a couple weeks earlier. But now that it actually happened, I think that, you know, Ravens flock, Ravens fans, whoever I think will be pretty happy in my opinion with what the Ravens will end up doing throughout the rest of this 2021 offseason. But Spencer, that's all that I have for you today. Thank you so much for once again joining me here on the show. And hopefully next week we'll have some more Ravens signings to talk about some outside guys. And maybe from there we can start to determine what this Ravens draft board for the 2021 draft will start to look like. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. There are some options still out there, so we shall see. The good news is that the Ravens haven't overspent on anyone. They have not uh, done anything that could go the wrong way. They just have been, you know, a little frugal, a little conservative and put a lot of chips in that Juju Smith-Schuster basket. But hopefully next week there will be some edges signed or some moves made and a little more excitement. But uh, the Ravens typically don't make the biggest splash in the world in free agency while they have signed guys like Derek Mason, uh, Steve Smith, and a couple others throughout the years. But ultimately, wasn't their year to do to make a big move with Mark Andrews extension on the way as Eric DaCosta had uh, hinted at. They definitely want to do that. So we shall see where they lie. Make sure to go give Kevin those five stars in the iTunes library. Thank you so much for having me on. And I will talk to you guys again next week. A big thanks to Spencer once again for joining the show. That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, 
We're going to have a special guest on to talk Ravens football. So instead of answering mailbag questions, we'll have that guest on tomorrow and then move our mailbag to Thursday. So be sure to comment any questions or concerns or just any comments below the tweets that I put out. I had originally said in the tweet we were going to do it on Wednesday, but we're going to move it to Thursday because we do have this very special guest coming on the show tomorrow. So be sure to stay tuned for that and I will see you tomorrow.